It's July 30th, 2006, and this is The Candid Frame. Well, welcome to another episode of the show. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. I'm going to be going down to Santa Fe in a week to participate in the Santa Fe Photographic Workshop, where I'm going to be studying under one of my favorite photographers, Jay Maisel. Um, I've been wanting to do that for a very long time, and finally someone said, you know, if you're going to do it, you should do it now instead of waiting, because I've been waiting probably four or five years already, and I so I finally picked up the phone and made the arrangements, and uh, I'm going to probably have one of the best photographic uh, experiences I've ever had uh, studying under one of the best color photographers in the world. And uh, I'm hoping that I'll have some time to interview him uh, while I'm down there. Um, crossing my fingers on that, I know I don't know how he, uh, I may feel about it, but I'm definitely going to approach him about it. So cross your fingers and then hope that we can get him on the show. Uh, so I uh, have, have had a lot of things on my mind. I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to get a show done uh, before I left, but um, I, it's important for me to be consistent with this. I know I do it, I don't do it every week. I do it every other week just because it kind of works with my schedule uh, best, and especially in terms of the photographers I have to interview. But it seems like I have a slew of photographers to interview in the, in the next two weeks alone, which will uh, keep me... Uh, or keep the show um, full up for at least the next couple of months. Um, tonight we're going to have a special interview with a photographer that I actually discovered while I was uh, online visiting a, another podcast. And um, John Arnold was a photographer that I met through uh, listening to and visiting the forum for uh, tips from the top floor, which I'm sure that a lot of you are already familiar with. And uh, John has his own podcast called Photo Walkthrough, in which he actually walks you through his process in terms of shooting an image and enhancing the image in Photoshop. Uh, it's, it's a great show in that it not only provides you techniques or how-to of which there are, uh, there are a lot of shows that, that do exactly the same thing. But you actually get to sit right, literally almost right next to him as he goes through the whole process of, of working from an Im- working with an image from the very beginning to the very end. And unless you've had the opportunity to work with a photographer to actually see this process, it's kind of a rare opportunity. Uh, and the technology of the Internet and podcasting really allow for that. And I really wanted to interview John because I thought that his insight into how he looks at an image when he's creating it, and especially when he's working with it in Photoshop, is something that we don't often, as photographers, have an opportunity to see. Even if we go to a a Photoshop workshop, um, so much emphasis is put on how-to that not a lot of time, there's not a lot of time dedicated to the why uh, we would want to use you know, an unsharp mask or a, a, a layers or, or whatever particular tool uh, that exists in Photoshop. And uh, I've learned a lot from listening to his podcast. And I think if you haven't already, take a listen. I'll have a link for it on on the website. 
But I think you'll also get a lot out of our conversation with John, and I hope you enjoy it. So in a moment, our conversation with John Arnold. Well, first off, I want to thank you so much, John, for, for taking the time for, for being on the show. I'm, I've been really looking forward to having the chance to talk to you after listening to your podcast for so long. Oh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure. So first, tell me about how you got started in photography. Has it been a lifelong passion? Did you come to it late in life? Uh, I came to it late in life, I guess. Um, I started out doing photography as a kid, like most people do, with a little 125 camera. My parents bought me a camera, and I, I loved that thing. I took as many photos as I could. But, you know, kids are fickle. They, they jump from thing to thing. And um, I was more of a geeky kid, so I was into the computers, and uh, my attention wandered. Um, and I guess I picked up a camera in, in anger for the first time in around about 2000, uh, right at the beginning of 2000, when I was made redundant from my last job. I um, bought myself a camera as a, uh, I guess, <laughs> um, a way to make myself feel better mm-hmm. after having lost my job. And I, um, I I don't really know why I even bought the camera. I guess I'd just been interested tangentially for a long time. And so it all started up again there. What did you find yourself shooting when you, when you first started? Um, I've always been... <laughs> interested in details and things um, I even I, I looked back at some of the photos I took as a kid with that old 125 camera I uh, cleared out some of my, my parents house uh, recently and even then I was taking photographs of things that were details that, that had caught my eye or angles that you know I'd, I'd perhaps looked at things from looking up where you wouldn't look up or looking around behind things and just generally trying to capture uh, views of things that, that you wouldn't normally see um, and that's not actually so much the sort of thing I shoot now, but that's a kind of a forerunner to the way I look at things now. I now look at things from a point of view of trying to capture a character of a place. So um, I guess I started out when I picked up the camera in 2000 looking at uh, the locations where I was and trying to capture um, just a feeling of, of what it was like to be there, some of the details of the place, some of the character of the place. How do you think you came to that, that sensibility? Because considering the fact that you... you um, hadn't been shooting for you know for a long a long time uh, comparatively. Um, that well, kind of sensibility right. usually comes late in the, in a photographer's evolution, but you seem to have come to it fairly fairly quickly. It's it's kind of an unusual story, actually. Um, I don't know whether or not this is unusual. It's, it it seems unusual to me. Um, as I said earlier, I'm um, I'm kind of from a geek background. I, I'm a programmer and a, um, a web designer and all, all you know I'm, I'm into all that technical stuff um, and I was always led to believe all the way through school life and university life that there were geeks and there were artists and never the twain shall meet and you know the science guys and the arts guys um, and I've always kind of arrogantly perhaps felt that I, I would be able to do anything I turn my hand to so when I came to start doing web design I um, uh, I started trying to do graphic design, uh, uh, page layout, and uh, typography, and it's sort of a. Uh, I just try and teach myself not just how to um, not just how to pr- make something that look professionally presentable, but but try and actually learn something about uh, layout and color and that sort of thing. Uh, and I guess that sort of led into uh, my interest in photography because I. Looking back, I've always had an interest in in art and that sort of thing, uh, but I guess I 
hadn't realised I was interested in it until I came to start studying some of the more technical aspects of it, and that just sort of it grew out of that. So picking up a camera, um, I've always been trying to prove to myself that I can be an artist as well as a technical person, and I I don't I I can't have any perspective on that. So whether or not I succeed, I, I'll leave to everybody else's opinion. But um, I've concentrated a lot on the technical stuff I find fairly easy. Um, that's that stuff I can learn. I can sit down, I can read, I can teach myself how the controls on the camera work, I can teach myself how depth of, depth of field is calculated, mm-hmm. all the rest of that technical stuff. What I've really been trying to learn is um, how to look at a scene, how to see interesting details that can make a good shot, see which shots are going to work and which shots aren't going to work, try and look where the light is, um, try and look where there are um, details that capture something about a place. Um, and I quite often find I go into a place with an idea of what I'm going to shoot and I come out with pictures of something completely different. Um, I, I recently took a cruise uh, on the QE2, actually. It was a, a present for my wife's mother-in-law, uh, for my mother-in-law, rather. And um, I expected to go just trying to... We, we visited um, uh, Bilbao and La Rochelle and St. Peterport in Guernsey. And I expected to just try and shoot, you know, um, pretty pictures of the, of those places so that I could just sort of practice the, the the craft of taking photos, not really trying to make any, any kind of art. But I came back with, out of uh, probably best part of 1,500, 2,000 pictures, the ones that I liked most out of what I had shot were all doorways. Hmm. And I have no idea why I was drawn to the doorways, but I seem to have come back with a, a whole collection of doorways from, from various different places. So uh, I think there was something about those things that, that caught my attention about the character of a place. And in, uh, just as an example, there's a wonderful picture of a doorway I took in uh, La Rochelle. And it's just a, um, there's, there's peeling paint around the edge of the door frame. And it's a very ornate door with, uh, you know, a lot of intricate um, sort of woodwork around the, around the glass in the door. And there's a bicycle right next to it. And I've just got the front wheel of the bike in, in the side there. And for some reason, it seemed to me to capture something about, about France in general. So um, I guess unconsciously there i was i was looking for character yeah that, that's a real important thing to, to sort of note because i think uh, a lot of a lot of us focus on the technical aspect about about you know mastering various things with you know with the aperture with yeah. the shutter speed i didn't mean to I mean, didn't mean to downplay that by the way it, it oh. is hard it's not i just i just look at that as something that that's solvable yeah yeah um, but the the latter half the the the, the art, for lack of a better word, artistic aspect of it is also mm. a challenge. But I think you you address um, how one of the important qualities about it that each of us as photographers are drawn to a particular um, subject, or there's some sort of element in the scene that we're all often kind of drawn to, and we can't really quantify it if someone asks us to you know describe it verbally. But it, mm. it seems like each of us is sort of drawn to something, and if you if we allow ourselves to we can explore it photographically and somehow as a result of taking pictures and spending time with something and not feeling rushed or feeling the impetus mm. to have to create a perfect picture. That, that's really key. Taking time, yeah. I think, is really key. I'm doing quite a bit of walking at the moment with some friends of mine and I never, ever come out of those with good photographs. The only times I ever come back with good photographs is if I go on my own. And it's... Um, I, I, I always find that... that Although I can see something that's going to make a good shot, it takes me maybe a good 10 minutes sat there in front of it before I realize what it is that I actually want to take. 
Um, and usually by then I've taken 50 or 60 pictures, but <laughs> yeah. you know, you, it sort of develops um, from the from the first picture you take to the to the one you end up with. It's always the one right at the end that I end up using. In in terms of developing this eye for no, recognizing what works and what doesn't work, um, what did you what did you develop that that eye? Because it's it's it doesn't come well for some people it seems to come naturally, but in terms of developing a photographic eye, it often involves either you know looking at 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 work sort of obsessively or taking a course mm. or having an appreciation a previous appreciation for things such as a painting where issues of lighting mm. and composition come into play where Where did you find yourself developing and nurturing that aspect of of your eye I think uh, that's an interesting question uh, um the first thing that occurs to me is um, that I've I've not really studied um, composition in any formal way, um, and I'm not even sure that what I've taken is formally good composition. It just seems to me to be right when I take it, and that it's really hard to explain why that is. You can talk a lot about balance, and you can talk about repetition, and you can talk about uh, form, and just you know. I've never really come up with a formula for any of that. Um, I, I have quite a scientific brain, and I've never been able to um, adequately explain to myself what it is I'm trying to do. So uh, in terms of competition, composition, I find it difficult. But I, I guess um, there is a... I, I've learned a lot through critique. I've learned a lot, not, not really so much receiving it, um, but more giving it. Um, and I guess that just means that I've looked at a lot of pictures. Um, and I've always tried to decide for myself what it is I like about a picture and what it is I don't like about a picture. And it's very rare that I come across a picture that I that I can't find anything I like in. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's it's a, I guess trying to um, develop your own style by deciding what it is that appeals to you. Um, and that's so giving critique, just going through a whole pile of pictures. Um, a, a great website um, that I got involved in quite early on. Um, uh, dpchallenge.com, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, they they run a I think two or three now, but they used to run a single challenge each week where people that um, they would give a challenge like pencil or yellow or uh, just something just to start the idea, just to start the 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 seed of an idea in your brain, and people would come up with a chart and post it, and people would come back and everybody would vote on which ones they thought were. Uh, were best and you'd end up with a score and maybe give some critique and I learned an awful lot there um, and I also learned, learned an awful lot that I didn't like I, a lot of people were um, creating photos there rather than going out and finding them and I guess that's a stylistic thing um, that's that's something I've definitely decided that I don't like mm -hmm. I don't like going out and setting up a photograph um, I'm much more interested in going out and taking photographs of what's really there um, and uh, and more so, um, I find uh, that these days I I'm a lot braver about that as well. It, there's a temptation when you go somewhere pretty to take pretty photographs, um, and I sure I'd, I'd, I'll take them. I like them, but as often as not, I'm finding myself now intentionally including the the trash can that's in the shot, or the waste you know waste paper that's that's in the foreground, or just really shooting what's there, not just shooting what's pretty, but shooting what's really there, um, and, and letting the play speak for itself, and not not really try hard to make it a commercial image, and not even really try hard to make it a, an attractive image, just to try and make it a, 
a real image of what's really there. Mm. So I, I, I'm guessing those probably won't sell as well, but those are the ones that I come away from a place thinking that they captured what I, what I really saw. Um, and I don't seek out unattractive elements. I just mean, you know, if, if I can't get a pretty shot and there's something in the shot that, that, that isn't attractive, that's fine. It's really there. It's real. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Tell me about where where you live and what sort of appeals to you in terms of photographic subjects in 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 your area in your hometown. Um, well, I'm from. Uh, you probably tell I'm from the UK. Um, I grew up in Derbyshire, which is uh, round about smack bang in the middle of the British Isles. Um, it's sort of North Midlands in England, and we. It's kind of a. a it's a fairly hilly county um it's there is a big city and i i was born in derby which is a big city in the middle there but it's also got a lot of very small um quite ancient towns dotted all around um i, I no longer live in derbyshire i should mention i live in an adjacent county now called cheshire um but we the the two the two counties aside from the fact that cheshire is fairly flat and derbyshire is fairly hilly other than that they're very similar indeed it's a very old uh, part of the world. We've got a lot of uh, ancient boundaries and we've got a lot of um, sort of Saxon and uh, Norman and more recent um, buildings and uh, monuments and you know standing stones and things like that dotted all over the place. So as a child I saw an awful lot of and I, I, this is something that's, that's caught my attention recently. As a child I didn't really appreciate that where I lived was uh, different from the rest of the world and that it looked older and um, more ancient and that there was this wonderful stonework everywhere and that um, that of course it's a living thing the places we live in particularly when you live in an ancient place gets reused so you see uh, as, a, as a good example uh, I shot a, a series of pictures in um, a little town in Derbyshire when I was there towards the end of last year uh, no, beginning of this year anyway I shot a whole series of uh, pictures in, in a town called Belper and I, I was struck not only by the fact that it looked an awful lot like the places I remember as a child, but particularly the way it had all been reused. There's a giant mill there, and, and the northwest of England is was a big mill, uh, cotton mills um, in its history, particularly around Manchester. And you know the the giant east mill there, right next to the river, it's got a big weir there where there's where the water wheels used to be, and it's not used as a mill a mill anymore. There's all sorts of of, um, of local businesses in there now and the, just the reuse of the place um, caused an awful lot of interesting little details that I found myself going around and shooting so uh, I, I guess I, I'm very interested in, in trying to capture how a place looks to me and I guess it's easiest to do that when you're looking at the places you know and uh, in particular I'm very interested in in the Derbyshire area and the Cheshire area where I grew up. So I guess if you look at my work, you're going to see a lot of old stonework <laughs> yeah. and quite a few landscapes. So, yeah, that's the kind of place I'm hanging out at now. Yeah, I've not had the, the, the opportunity to, to, to go to this, this part of the world, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm really curious as to... I'm in Southern California, which is, despite the fact right. that it's declared to be sunny perpetually, it really isn't. But I, I'm kind of interested how... Um, the weather and the temperament there affects the quality of light uh, from the perspective of a photographer. That's really tricky. Um, you're going to have to learn to love clouds. That's um, <laughs> the flippant answer. Um, 
I, I'm actually uh, I'm developing a real love for skies. Actually, we get some amazing skies. Uh, I, I just find that um, you need to pick your days. I, I I have a where I where I I work from home, and I have a big, uh, large sliding door next to my desk that leads straight out into the garden. And I find myself looking at the sky quite often and just trying to... Every now and then I look out and I think, you know, that's that's amazing light. I'll grab my camera and I'll leap out and go and try and take some photographs. And uh, sometimes it's not going to last long and so I just walk around here where I live, which is just a housing estate. There's nothing nothing magical about it. Uh, every now and then it looks like it's going to be an interesting day and I will get in my car and I'll drive somewhere. But it's really... you've You've just... I think you've just got to be aware and uh, be ready to go out. And I, I'm in the fortunate position of running my own business, and so I can, if I need to, or if I decide I want to, just jump in the car and go out and take photographs. Um, but it's usually I'll only go sort of half an hour maximum from where I live. So we're hanging around in... Sorry, that was my cat. Uh, we're hanging around in Cheshire, and we're uh, there's a couple of hills. That's about it. So if you look in my... Um, look in my portfolio there's a picture of Malcott which is a local um, uh, it's a, it's a folly I think it's it was built to look good on the, on a on the hill line from a nearby um, country estate it was designed literally just to decorate the skyline so um, that's one of the hills around here that I sometimes drive up to if the lights looking good um, other than that I I go anywhere that looks interesting if I can um, and if the light's good, great. And if it's not, well, black and white can do wonders. Mm. Well, I, I, this, <laughs> it's not very artistic, but it, it you know it generates some images that sometimes give me surprising. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll sometimes process something that doesn't look very promising, and I come out at the end, and I'll be very surprised and pleased with what I've got. So that's one of the great things about photography that, that you can have moments like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, as I say. Uh, it, it was a flippant answer, but I, I think it's it's perhaps true. You know, I, I tend to look for interesting skies as good backdrops for interesting places. So we've got loads of you know sort of stately homes and things around here that I can I can visit, and I'm a member of the National Trust, so I can usually get in for free. Mm. Uh, and you know that that helps, but it's it's a question of being ready, I guess. Yeah. Well, I I just I discovered you through um, my my involvement in the, the tips from the top floor. You know, listening to the show. And, right. you know, and occasionally yeah, visiting the, the the forums, which I've never been really big on. But I'm I'm really curious to hear about how your involvement in in the use of the internet, and not not mm. specifically your show yet, but just the, the the community that that's been created as a result of this technology, has has done for what what it's done for your photography and your and your involvement in in the art. Well, uh, what it's done for my photography is it's everything. I mean, I've always been uh, involved pretty much from the start of when uh, uh, when websites started appearing. I've been involved in the Internet. So, uh, obviously, when I picked up the camera in 2000, uh, I was already using the Internet and, and posting images on websites, things like that. Um, so... It's it's safe to say that everything about my photography has been affected by um, very very greatly my involvement on the various websites that I hang out on. I've you know I've had P base accounts, I've had DP uh, uh, challenge accounts, I've hung out on uh, various different forums, uh, and most recently uh, and probably most usefully the um, uh, tips from the top floor group. 
um, simply because it's a it's a fairly non-threatening environment, and you can post what you've been working on, and people will be constructive and helpful. And it's I just found that a um, I hate to use the word nurturing; it sounds so wishy-washy, but that's a good that's a good use of the word. Um, it's been an environment where I've learned a lot, and also Flickr is an excellent site. The level of critique there is not as good, um, but there's more of it. So I, I think, um, how has it affected my photography? Well, it, it's given me the capability of looking at an awful lot of work um, and deciding what out of that I liked. And I regularly pick something that is different from anything I've seen before and try and figure out how it was done. Try and uh, pull it apart, see if I can do the same thing. Um, and I, I don't just mean post-processing. I, I'm, I'm, I, I guess the reason I'm on the show here is because I, I, I'm getting a, a name for being a, a Photoshop guy. But I, also, in particular, I'm very interested in how people have taken the photographs and you know what, where they went, what they did, what what it was that led them to the subject they're looking at, how they decided to to um, to shoot it, and uh, you know what depth of field they're after, and how they decided what to put where in the frame. I, I'm just interested in all of that, and I pull apart regularly what people have done and try and figure it out, uh, why it is I like it. Yeah. I guess applying that scientific brain again. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners um, how Photo Walkthrough came about and explain to them, uh, for those of who haven't had the opportunity to check it out, uh, what kind of mm. podcast it is. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> it all started, funnily enough, with... Um, uh, dpchallenge.com they did a one of the challenges they did there was an Ansel Adams challenge uh, and I've always been a, a massive Ansel Adams fan I, again that sounds a bit cliched but I, I'm afraid it's true I uh, I just love his images he, he's such an, an amazing sort of uh, silvery quality somebody described it as a silvery quality and that really works for me uh, detail all through the image and so I I leapt into the, that challenge with um, with both feet and it happened that I was that week uh, visiting uh, Western Supermare, which is an old English seaside town. Um, and like so many of the old English seaside towns now, it's looking a little bit aged and decrepit. And it's a bit... Uh, we, we don't have the best weather in the UK, so we it, it looks a little bit storm-worn. Uh, and I, I took a, a whole series of photographs while I was in Western. Uh, and one in particular, uh, it was one of those moments... Um, where you you look at the scene and you know it's going to make a great photograph. So I stood there for half an hour and took as many pictures as I could of it. And the the really stupid thing is that of, of the half an hour I was shooting, really I took the same photo again and again and again because I just couldn't find any other angle that was better. You know, I started out, stood uh, in the same place pretty much as where I ended up stood. So uh, I could have saved myself a lot of time there. But the... Uh, <laughs> So I, I took a whole series of photographs, and one of, uh, and the photograph that I ended up posting to the challenge was, um, I've called it Western at Low Tide, and it's a, a picture of some fishing boats uh, at low tide, so they're, so they're beached, um, there's, there's no sea there, uh, and in the background is the Western Supermare Grand Pier, and um, it's just processed up in an Ansel Adams style, as best I could at the time. Uh, and my Photoshop has improved an awful lot since then. So I, I produced that image and I posted it to DP Challenge. It did all right. I think it came 11th or something, which is not bad out of 200. I think that's probably the best I ever did. But the um, the image then just sat there for probably nine months, something like that. And um, when I was 
getting involved in uh, tips from the top floor, I posted it just as a sort of a an example of actually I was posting an example of an image where you didn't necessarily have to put all your subjects on the one third line. It was somebody talking about the rule of thirds, mm-hmm. um, and in particular talking about putting the skyline in an image on you know one third down or one third up. Uh, and I said actually you can get a good shot if you put the the skyline halfway down, but you're going to need something else in the shot really. So I posted this image and somebody said oh that's great how did you do it? And I thought about it and scratched my head and I thought well. I could produce a, a web page about this, and I started doing some screen captures and trying to put together a description as a web page. And I thought it's going to be way too long as a, as a single forum post. So I started on this web page and eventually came to the conclusion that that was a really bad idea. It was <laughs> way too hard. So I searched around very briefly and found a screen recording program that allowed me to record myself doing the same processing on uh, in Photoshop on my PC. Uh, recorded that up as a series of seven short videos that were done at the time in flash video format, uh, put them on a web page, and people seemed to like them. So um, I started doing some more, and that's how it, it was just originally going to be uh, an as and when I had the idea to, to do a show-type website, uh, and then it suddenly occurred to me that I ought to be doing it as a podcast, um, and if I'm going to do a podcast, well, I ought to do it regularly, and it sort of grew from there. So... What Photo Walkthrough ended up being is uh, a podcast that has an associated website, and you can go and watch the the videos directly on the website. You don't need to subscribe on the on iTunes or anything if you don't want to. But it, obviously, if you do, then they're delivered to your PC weekly when I when I release them, and I tend to release them on Monday nights. And so it's Photoshop and post processing tutorials. Um, each show is in the region of twenty minutes long, and. Uh, I try and keep it fairly on topic. I try and stick to each week I'll do a little more on an image. And the the tutorials are, uh, the format is to try and take a photograph from beginning to end and show you all the stuff I did to get it from the start to the end. Um, Not just showing you the Photoshop techniques, uh, but uh, this is this is the angle that I've not seen covered anywhere else before. Try and explain why I did what I did. Try and explain how I looked at the image to start with, decided what I was going to do, and how I ended up actually doing it. So there's, I hope, a big chunk of the, the artistic thought process in there, as well as the technical um, Photoshop process. And I think that's the side of things that I'd like to keep concentrating on, because I'm, I'm going to uh, inevitably end up covering the same techniques again and again. Um, but one of the things that I've ended up doing is, as well, because there is a community that's going to build up around this thing, and there's there's a, a bunch of really great people I'm starting to get to know through this, um, I'm starting to try and appeal to a few other people and say, you know, I, I really like that image you did over there. Is there any chance I could do a tutorial on that? So I've got the first two of those lined up. I've not recorded them yet, but I I know the first two images I've got uh, from uh, one from a, a very talented guy that's that's written into the show, who's an old uh, ex cameraman who seems to have taken photographs all around the world. He's done some fantastic work, and he's very kindly agreed to let me do one of his images. And there's another one from one of the forum members that, that if anybody's been following the Flickr group, um, they're bound to have seen this photographer's work. I'm not going to say who it is yet, but that'll be the first one up. Uh, I've got all the source, source files for that. I'm going to try and cover some different styles and try and maybe get away from, from my own work, because obviously that's going to repeat eventually. Yeah. Well, so, I think uh, So that's... Sorry, come on. No, what I what I think is 
a really interesting um, element of your show is that there are a lot of there are a lot of you know podcasts, a lot of video tutorials, a lot of books that teach you know how to do something, how to use a layer mask, how to use you know a selection, how to make uh, uh, use the highlight. Sh- yeah. sh- they teach how, but not when. Right, and I think that, that <laughs> it's. I think one of the best things about about your show that is unlike anything else that's that's out there, I think, is that you get to basically sit right next to you as you are evaluate, evaluating an image. You're analyzing mm-hmm. it. You're teaching not just how to do something in Photoshop, but how to look at an image. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're you're stressing the importance of of vision. You know, of of what you want to say in an image, not just how to achieve something technically. I'm really pleased to hear you say that. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. And uh, again, it's very difficult to be uh, to have any perspective on what you on your own work. So I, I'm glad to see that you that, that that is the way it comes across. And from some of the other comments, I think some of the other viewers are getting the same from it. I always worry though if I do a show and there's not much actual photoshopping in it because I, I I was wondering whether or not I'm shortchanging the viewers, but I've done a couple of shows where I've spent 10 minutes talking about the image and then five minutes doing the first step of the processing, and I say, all right, that's it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I worry that I'm spending too long on it. I, I guess all I can ask for is feedback on that. Uh, I try and spread it out as much as I can, but I do think it's probably the most important part of what I talk about, um, deciding what you're going to do before you start. Um, and sometimes there is room for just experimenting in Photoshop, but uh, that's not art; that's play. Yeah. Um, and I think you can generate art out of play, but but the process of playing is is a different process than what I'm trying to teach. I think there are you can play just by reading a Photoshop book and saying, "Oh, look, there's a technique I've not tried before." Um, and what I'm trying to show you is when it's a good technique to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to look at an image and decide what the right technique might be, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it it's, so, yeah it does. It makes perfect sense because it's 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 interesting, especially with the entry of digital, with the whole debate about you know how much manipulation is acceptable and so on and so forth. But mm. but what because no I, limits. I think <laughs> the philosophy, you know, a lot of it is that, that people tend to think that if a, t- a photograph begins and ends in the camera. But if you've had an awareness of the history of photography, you know, there's a recognition that that's just a small step in the process. For it, it's very naive, actually, because um, there, was a, there was a whole um, discussion of this came up from um, uh, the Secrets of Digital Imaging, mm-hmm, I think. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they, they had a, a, a lot of feedback from... Uh, a show they did where they interviewed somebody who said that they didn't like digital photography because it was too difficult, sorry, too easy to manipulate the images and you never knew whether or not what you were seeing was real. Now, uh, the irony, of course, is that that some of the absolute photography greats, uh, not least Ansel Adams, were absolutely renowned for spending days in the the darkroom manipulating their images. And... um, you know, it might have been simple dodging and burning at that point, but but where does where do you draw the line? And and uh, in a, in a more fundamental sense, what you choose to point the camera at is editorial in itself. 
You know, if I I was saying earlier that I didn't mind leaving in some unattractive details, if you point your view, point your camera at a, at a view, and intentionally move it so that you see, so that the trash can's no longer in shot, is that an editorial decision? Is that is that photo manipulation? I would argue that it is, um, and I, that's fine. I, I'm as far as I'm concerned, there are no limits. What what I what I want in my final photograph is is what I've decided should be there, and, and that is, it's like writing an editorial for a magazine, and it's it's a viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to 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 suggest that digital photography is is too manipulatable uh, is, in my view, is is naive. But I accept that there are people out there who like reportage style photography, who like it to be documentary, um, and that's that's a very useful. Uh, kind of form of photography as well. It just happens to be not my kind of photography. Yeah. So I respect it, but I I do think it's naive to think that digital is easier is is more manipulated than than traditional photography because I don't think people have realised over the years just how much the photography they're looking at has been manipulated. Yeah, yeah, and it, it always strikes me when they say when they make the comment of how easy it is to manipulate digitally. It's like, well, you never tried it. Have you? <laughs> There's a lot a lot of us making a living out of teaching people to do what's easy. Then, yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I remember not that, that I'm making a living out of it yet, but. <laughs> Working on that part. Yeah, I mean, I had my eyes open when I, I got to see someone speak on the work of Ansel Adams, and uh, mm. there was this one particular image. I think it's sunrise over something. I unfortunately can't remember the name. But he showed uh-huh. the original uh, contact image right. before all the enhancements were made in, in the darkroom and it just opened my eyes. And I think anyone who mm. who who uh, who's of a school that any manipulation is too much manipulation uh, should take a look at the, the the work Ansel did even before the age of computers. If you have any doubt, to the extent that any tool, whether it's in the darkroom, uh, traditional darkroom, or a digital darkroom, plays in in the creation of of a vision that starts in a photographer's mind, finding its way to that final print. Mm. It's just a creative process. The more you the more you decide what you want the image to contain and go about making that happen, the more you are creating the photograph rather than um, simply going there and shooting it. And I, I just think it's, it's the same process as painting. Um, a painter decides what it is they want in the picture and they put it there. And I think it's the same process with photography. You decide what it is you want in the picture and you put it there. Yeah. And if there's a part of the picture that you want the viewer to, to respond to or to see first, or you, know, you can create a story, you can make a, a trail through the picture simply by leading the eye and uh, manipulating the image in a way that, that causes those things to stand out. You recently did uh, um, a series of episodes on, uh, on a tree. Uh, oh yes, that was. I thought that was one of the best episodes I'd, I'd seen thus far because I was, I looked at that photograph and you were doing things that I wouldn't have imagined doing, uh, mm. and I consider myself pretty Photoshop savvy in terms of you know, <laughs> being able to do stuff. But what I really loved what you brought to it was the fact that you your own particular way of seeing, which I, I thought was great. But why don't you tell our uh, our listeners about how you came about uh, creating that image and. Um, coming to your particular take of it using using Photoshop. Right. Um, well, that image was an interesting one because it was. Um, I think there's a there's a, a value to going to the same place many many times, uh, and that particular tree is uh, at a local 
uh, it's basically a dog walking place. Loads and loads of people go there and take their dogs there. And I was there walking my sister's dog. Um, so I've been there many times. A place called Britain Lake, and it's just a little lake with uh, a whole bunch of woodland around it. Um, a lot of very nice people. I usually take my camera. I usually shoot the same things every time I go. On this occasion, I saw this tree for the first time, and I don't really know why I'd missed it before. It's right there next to the path. It's not it's not hidden in any way. I didn't have to go a long way off the beaten track to see it. It's just that this was the first time I looked at the tree, and the first time I saw it, I knew exactly what it was going to look like when it was post-processed. Uh, and that doesn't happen all that often. Um, but it, when it does, it's wonderful, because you can spend the time concentrating on actually capturing the image that's in your head instead of going through that process I mentioned earlier where you stand in front of a subject and you know there's a picture there but you haven't quite decided what it looks like yet. Um, so on this occasion I looked at the tree and I knew exactly where I wanted the branches and I knew exactly what it was, I knew it was going to be black and white, I knew it was going to be high contrast, I'd already decided I was going to do a Holger style on it um, and I just had this, there was a mood about it. So I looked at this tree and I, and I, I had a sort of a the, the things that drew my eye were the shape of the branches and the texture of the bark. And it, it just, um, so I, I, I stood in front of the, the tree and I spent maybe two or three minutes at most and I took the same picture maybe six times and, um, and that was that. I, I went home and I, and I processed it up and it took me very little time. It was just, I, I, I'd, I'd been working on, um, I, I've, I've always liked the Holger style, which is this, um, heavy vignetted corners I am I get ribbed for this a lot but I, I like vignettes on photographs I think they they help with um, with leading the eye and I sometimes I think they just give a, a really good atmosphere that, that helps you uh, helps you focus on what it was you want people to see so I I, I, I like the whole cell partly for that and also partly for, for the, the selective focus and just the general Filming, filmic style of the whole whole process. I, I guess I'm one of the wave of digital photographers who's trying desperately to make our photos look like film. <laughs> um, that's not intentional. I just I, I like those type of type of photographs, um, and I've spent some time practicing on Photoshop trying to learn to emulate them. I think um, you know I'm I'm spending a lot of time here talking like I'm trying to be a very uh, a very high thinking artist. There's an awful lot of value, I believe, in looking at other people's work and trying to copy it. And I think, um, and I don't mean that you should just copy and publish. I mean that you should copy and learn and then decide what you like yourself and then publish your own stuff. So uh, I've done a lot of that. I've looked at other people's work. I've deconstructed it, trying to figure out how it works, trying to figure out how to make my images look like that, take away from them what I like and what I don't like. And that, that tree image that you're talking about, I took the elements of the Holger style that I like uh, and used them. And uh, there are elements of the whole style that, 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 are, that are perhaps too strong for that image that I didn't use. So it is still quite a detailed digital-looking image. But I've used some selective defocusing. I've used some selective sharpening to draw out the bark. I've used quite a lot of dodging and burning to make the light look more even and to try and give it a, the slightly more gothic tone that it has. Um, because it was, it was taken in regular British daylight, which is to say that it was cloudy and overcast and the light was terrible no. uh, I think it's a great because obviously I'm under trees and we've got a bright bright sun bright sky with uh, loads of clouds over there so uh, yeah uh, heavily manipulated but 
for some reason that image it, it, it hit me on the nose as I walked by. So, well, I always like uh, ending the show by asking a photographer to recommend another photographer who they admire and and they think uh, other people should uh, explore. So, who would that be for you, John, and why? Um, the one I would probably most point people to is Kathleen Connolly. Um, has anybody else mentioned Kathleen? No, no. Oh, you should interview her. She's fantastic. She runs a website called um, A Walk Through Durham Township, and it's basically... Uh, oh, you told me about her. That's right, yeah. 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 She's, she shoots uh, pictures from around where she lives, and more recently, people from around where she lives. And I, I cannot put my finger on what it is I like so much about her work, but she has got a, just an amazing style. Um, I guess she's there's something about the way she she composes things and processes things and and she seems to get interesting subjects and places and people I just she's the one that I probably most aspire to at the moment um and believe you me if I can get her to come, to let me process one of her pictures on into a tutorial <laughs> oh I'll I'll do that that would be fantastic Kathleen if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> take the me. hint well, thanks, John. It's finally uh, it's, it's, it was a great time talking to you, and eventually having a chance to talk to you rather than uh, just typing all back and forth uh, to each other. Absolutely, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I really don't feel like I deserve to be on the show alongside some of the other people you've interviewed. But um, I'm very grateful to be asked. Well, I, I'm very grateful that you agreed to be on the show. I think a lot of people are going to take away uh, a lot from our conversation. I hope so. I hope so. And um, uh, it's it's a strange situation to be in to find myself being the teacher when I've always regarded myself as the student, and I still regard myself as the student. So I'll uh, um, I, I'm I'm here to learn as as much as teach. Well, thanks for joining me again. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I definitely did. And uh, as always, I'll have links to John's podcast as well as a selection of his images on the website at thecandidframe.com and if you have any questions or comments about this episode or any previous episodes all of which are available online uh, you can visit, uh, you can email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com so until next time this is Ivarian X Perello and this is The Candid Frame